This podcast contains spoilers, explicit language, and is not made for anyone under the age of 13. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to John vs. Film, and today we are taking a look at 1969's Kamewa Tai Daiakuju Giron, or also known as Gamera vs. Giron. And this film is directed by Noriaki Yuasa and written by Nissan Takahashi. So, like the previous Gamera movies before, I watched the August Rigoni intro beforehand, and uh, this is kind of a continuation of what uh, <clears throat> what was going on with the last movie, but essentially, Gamera vs. Spirits was kind of Dai was thinking like, okay, this is gonna be the last Gamera movie, but then uh, American International are like, no, 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 we want we want more Gamera movies. So can can you make us more Gamera movies? And then also Gamera vs. Spirits did pretty well, and Dai is like, well. I mean, American Internationals, they did sort of just buy us, you know, buy more Gamera movies. So I guess we kind of got to make more Gamera movies. And that's how we end up with Gamera vs. Giron, the movie that initially was not going to, you know, was just kind of like, oh, just we got to make a Gamera movie, so we're going to make a Gamera movie. And... It kind of shows, not going to lie. But before I get into my opinions, I'm going to give you a little synopsis that I wrote up myself of the movie. So, here we go. A spacecraft... Wow. Wow. I'm uh, fumbling right bad right now. (laughs) Anyway. A spacecraft from the other side of the sun lands on Earth where it encounters two boys. The boys hijack this ship and hopes to find a world that is without traffic accidents. But instead, they meet the knife-headed monster Giron and its brain-eating alien masters. <clears throat> Sorry, brain-eating alien masters. Not sure if that... Like, my voice cut out while trying to read that last part. Uh, anyway, it'll be up to Gamera to, see, to get these two boys back home. Alright. And here's how it goes with... John versus film. I talk about five things I like about the movie, then I talk about five things I dislike about the movie, and then I wrap it all up with my overall thoughts. Uh, but for this episode, I I just realized I kind of forgot to type up uh, my overall thoughts ahead of time, so that'll be completely improv. But enough of that. But let's get into my opinions and. For the first part, I'm going to mention the music. Now, the music for the show era, it's going to be done by the same composer going forward. Uh, for like, There was a different composer for Gamma vs. Barugan. And for... I didn't talk about the composer for Virus. I, you know, because I thought... I just didn't really have a strong opinion on the Gamma vs. Virus music other than having some weird choices. But the composer for Gamma vs. Giron and the subsequent movies going forward, at least, you know, up till Super Monster, we have the music being done by... Let me look it up, let me look it up... uh, where is it? There it is. Shunsuke Kikuchi. Yep. Shunsuke Kikuchi. This guy right here. I'm loading the IMDb. It's not loading. But I want to be accurate. Okay, yeah. IMDb is kind of just taking a poop right now. So let me try one more time. <laughs> Sorry for this. Sorry, uh, nope, IMDb is not loading quite fast enough, but that's okay. I kind of got the gist of, you know, 
Like I looked up uh, his credits beforehand, and his credits were actually mentioned in the August Ragoni intro. And that being, you know, if, if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan, you you should know him because he has actually the composer for, uh, <clears throat> you know, the original Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. So you should know him for that. Uh, for us to- Tokusatsu fans outside of Gamera. Uh, Shunsuke Kikuchi, he is known for being the composer of Kamen Rider. Not just the original, but like from the original Kamen Rider series all the way up to Z-Cross. So I think that's very cool. I like his work in both Kamen Rider and Dragon Ball. I think he's a great composer. So even though his music here is not Stand, you know, it doesn't stand out too much compared to his other work. You know, it's still really good. You know, or I don't even want to say really good. It's still good. There's still some like nice tracks. Like uh, there's that little kid theme. You know, it's uh, I I forgot to Melanie again. Wow. Um, uh, but. Yeah, so Kikuchi san he you know, he did some real really good tracks and he did an orchestral version of our beloved Gamera Gamera And you know, he did the orchestral version of this song in this movie, so huge props to him on this soundtrack. I it, it may it helps boost the film up a bit more. And again, we also have the return of the Gamera song. And also, a funny little trivia note, the parody of Gamera is really neat. He is full of lots of meat. We are eating Gamera. Yeah. That uh, song parody from Mystery Science Theater 3000, that originated from the, you know, this, like, uh, movie or their riff of this movie. That's when that first started. That's where it came from. You know, and they also did like a parody of the little kid theme. You know, that nice soundtrack. You know, and they mentioned like, oh, this is kind of nice. I, I remember that episode of Mystery Science Future 3000. But yeah, other than the music, we got some other things to talk about. Is uh, There's two characters I want to spotlight that I really like. And that is the Akio's little sister Tomoko. Uh, let me take a look. Tomoko is played by Miyuki Akiyama. Uh, let me look up her credits. This is like her only you know one of her only acting credits. Her own her other one is in a TV series from 1972 to 1975, or at least her character was, or I'm going off of IMDb, so yeah, she just played in a 1972 TV series after Gamma vs. Garon. But, yeah, so one time, you know, acting gig, you know, I really like her character, and the other character is Officer Kon, uh, Officer Kondo, or aka Konchan. Who and he's called Konchan by Tomoko, and funny enough, Konchan is played by Kon Omura. And let me look up his credits real quick. You know, he he's done a lot of work. You know, yeah, he's done quite a bit of acting work. Uh, you know, all the way up to 2014. You know. Uh, according to the August Ragoni introduction, he was more of a comedic actor. But I will say is that, you know, Officer Kondo and Tomoko, they have a real good chemistry with each other. You know, just, you know, Officer being, you know, Kondo being this, you know, adult figure. You know, he, he you know, like, uh, it, Kondo's kind of funny. So, okay, the reason I like Kondo is that he's the type of adult that has to enforce the rules but really cares for the kids. You know, 
he's not afraid to goof around once in a while. Uh, but he still, again, has to <laughs> enforce the rules. Like, uh, you know, he catches, you know, the kids riding their bikes, but there's more than two people. No, there's more than one person on a bike, so he has to say, hey, you know, he has to act as stern adult, but he has a little lighthearted comedic side, just to, like, oh, you know, those kids, even though, you know, it was Tom, who I'll talk about later on. <laughs> and um, if you've seen the previous two, you know, Gamera episodes, if I'm not bringing Tom right here while I'm talking about, you know, human characters, there's a problem. <laughs> but anyway, that's spoiling this episode. But anyway, you know, in the movie, uh, like, Tom, he shoots his little toy gun to have his condos, you know, towel stick on a wall. You know, like it shoots like a little sticky plunger dart. You know, he aims for his towel and the, I don't know, it flies up to the wall and the, you know, towel dangles and it, you know, on the wall, whatever. Anyway, he's. Kondo's just this kind of likable adult figure. He sort of reminds me of Inspector Zenigata, or specifically Miyazaki's take on Zenigata and the Lupin series. Lupin the Third series. You know, Zenigata's... I'm sorry. Yeah, like, Zenigata's great there. You know, and he has that sort of, you know, charming aspect that I think Officer Kondo has here. And also, Officer Kondo is the only one who believes in Tomoko when Tomoko says, hey, a spaceship kidnapped my brothers. Now, even though this sounds outlandish, we gotta remember, this is in the same universe. Our last movie, aliens attacked Earth, and then the movie before that, there was a vampire kaiju. And, you know, that this is a weird and wacky world, so it may not be that far-fetched. And let me talk about Tomoko now. And the reason why I like her is she's the one child, you know, again, like Kondo, at least, you know, has, you know, some sense to believe Tomoko because Kondo actually knows that, you know, who Tomoko is as a person. And Tomoko would not, you know, Tomoko would lie about something like this or just Tomoko doesn't lie at all. So Kondo actually goes to the observatory that Tom, you know, to see about, you know, if there was a spacecraft or whatever. And that does lead to, you know, adults getting involved. But Tomoko also has some common sense that seems to be lacking in some characters. And that uh, in the movie early on, Tomoko, her older brother, Akio, and Akio's friend Tom, you know, those three, they find the spaceship, you know, in this kind of, you know, I don't want to say deserted, but just like, uh, just uninhabited area, like in the forest or whatever. They, that's where they find the spaceship. Ship. Well, Akio and Tom, they go into the ship, you know, Tomoko's the one that's like, nah, I ain't getting in there. I ain't stupid. And, well, and for Tomoko, that pays off because, well, the spaceship does kind of kidnap Akio and Tom. So Tomoko was smart there. And then Tomoko actually tries to plead with her parents, you know, say, hey, spaceship, kidnap, you know, brother and Tom, you know, kidnap big brother. And the adults just kind of brush it off like, oh, they're, they're playing a prank on you or Tomoko. You know, stop playing your silly games. But, yeah, it's... But the thing is, even after, like, Tomoko's, you know, mom doesn't believe her, Tomoko tries to go to Tom's mom. And then Tomoko tries to go to Kondo, you know. And that's when, finally, something happens where it's like, oh, crap. But, other than that, I feel like there is, like, for the little screen time they do get 
with each other. There is sort of this heartwarming, wholesome relationship between, you know, Kondo and Tomoko. That's just very, really endearing for this movie. But anyway, let's stop talking about humans for a second. You really want to hear about the monsters. And let me get to Giron, because as my third point of my likes, the third thing I like about this movie is, you know, the Kaiju Giron. Because Giron, unlike the previous two, like, or three Gamera movies, you know, villains for like the three previous camera villains, they, you know, have, you know, somewhat of a, I don't want to say grounded, but more simple design to them. Or there's like, you can tell the basis of the design. Like, Barugan is a lizard. You know, you could tell that. Gauss, he looked more like a combination between a pterodactyl and a bat. You know, it had that, you know, bat aesthetic to it. And then for Virus, you know, he, he looked like a giant squid. So, but Giron, he is kind of a shift from those monsters and even, you know, Gamera. Because Giron, you know, he, there is like no basis of what he would be on Earth. He's like a giant four-legged uh kaiju that has a big knife forehead and inspired the kaiju knife head from pacific rim or was probably you know knife head was probably inspired by giron uh i you know i can't really confirm full on but yeah giron has just this big knife forehead you know which is really dope and then he also throws ninja stars it's it's a wild design and it's it's something like very very alien. I will give the movie you know credit for this is that Garen is a very alien design. And since Garon's on an alien world, that makes sense. That legit makes sense. Unlike Varus, that looks like giant squid. Uh, but other than design, Garon is actually shown to be quite a formidable foe foe for Gamera and. He actually has a great introduction. I mean, uh, the kaiju before, uh, minus Virus, they, well, I'm thinking more Gauss in particular. Gauss had a great buildup, you know, like introduction because there was buildup. Giron doesn't get buildup, but what he does is that, you know, he is, so, okay, let me backtrack a little. On this, you know, planet that the boys are taking to, there, you know, the planet is kind of dying, but, you know, and it is being run by monsters. But one of the monsters we see is a space version of Gauss. He looks like Gauss, but can kind of fly around the day and has like sort of a silver painting, you know, coating to him. So, yeah, you know, he, he looks, you know, very much similar to Gauss, you know, just with some minor differences. But... You know, you get the gist that, he, oh, he is Gauss. You know, shoot, Gauss is on the planet. That's bad. And that's where we get our introduction is that Giron actually fights the space Gauss and actually takes Gauss up, you know, out pretty fast. Like, he, Giron literally chops space Gauss into pieces. It, it was ruthless. And what makes that a great introduction to this kaiju you know is that we have like if you're watching these movies like i am just kind of in a row we know gauss gave gamma a lot of trouble and gamma versus gauss so we know gauss is a threat so for giron to just take gauss out so easily that gives us a comparison to how strong giron is that Giron is a threat. So it's sort of, you know, build up, but in a different sense. You know, where Gauss had that slow build up, you know, to kind of, you know, before he's fully revealed, you know, for what he is, you know, and it's it slowly pieces, you know, Gauss up. Or versus Giron, while it shows Giron 
straight up without buildup. It does give us an introductory fight with the previous monster that gave Gamera trouble. And we know Gamera's going to be fighting Giron. So it's more of like anticipation of, oh, how is Gamera going to defeat Giron? This is going to be a tough battle for Gamera. That's a great, like that is in general, you know, just a great way to introduce a tougher opponent is have, you know, that opponent take out, you know, somebody that has proven to be, you know, a pain in the butt to the heroes or, you know, was already a threat. But just very easily. So, like, I uh, think of... I, I know it's kind of jumbled up. This is kind of, again, with these unscripted podcast-like things. I can't formulate my thoughts super well. But I hope I you get what I'm going with. I, I guess, you know, a more pop culture, you know, reference to base off in, you know, for the West is that of... Avengers movies, you know, where you get a sense of Thanos strength by quickly making, you know, taking, you know, pretty much being the crap out of Hulk. Like, we've known Hulk to be one of the strongest Avengers, if not the strongest Avenger. You know, we've seen how tough, you know, Hulk is, and for Thanos to pretty much wipe the floor with Hulk, you know, in a matter of seconds is, you know, that gives us a good visual representation of, oh crap, Thanos is, he's a big threat. So, yeah, anyway, that's my third thing. The third thing I like about this movie is Garon. You know, he's just, he is a cool kaiju. Probably out of the show era, he's right, right below Gauss. Uh, next up, uh, what I want to talk about is this is the fourth point is that the fights are you know they're very entertaining like the action is very entertaining uh, albeit sometimes very silly we get Gamera doing uh, acrobats you know just spinning on a pole it's very silly you know but overall the action is very entertaining you know we got some pretty cool fights between Giron and Gamera, and then I like I mentioned the Gauss versus Giron fight. You know, there is sort of like this kind of cartoonish silliness to these fights in action, but again, it's overall entertaining. I I don't have much else to talk about the action other than yeah, I like it. And then this final point is that it show this movie shows you know kind of Gamera's cleverness more so than the previous movies. Uh, for example, Gamera actually can repair spaceships with his fire breath. Like he, so what happens in the movie is that the two alien villains they try to escape Giron, you know, because Giron went out of control, but Giron sliced the ship in half. So in order for the boys to make it back home, Gamera seals, you know, the spaceship back together, well, you know, wields it together with his, you know, fire breath, and carries it all the way back to Earth with the boys on it. You know, so there is cleverness in that aspect, but there's also, uh, I don't know, this very little tiny moment, I think it's a accidental moment, but it, it kind of shows that Gamera learns from his enemies, even his past foes. He, uh, like, in this fight, he's fighting with Garon, and I remember him actually grabbing on to, uh, you know, one of the rocks on the planet, you know, to grab hold of, to pull. I, I can't remember the fight too well, but I do remember Gamera grabbing onto a rock, you know, to use that as a fighting strategy. And it feels very similar to Virus, how he fought Gamera in the previous movie. Where Virus would use his top, you know, head tentacle things to grab onto stuff and pull Gamera, you know, closer to him. You know, and then there's also, you know, Gamera using weapons, like using a rock to deflect Giron's ninja stars. And also Gamera's want to, like, observe his enemies, learn from 
their enemies' attacks and then deal with them in the final battle. You know, and the, how Gamera takes out Garon is pretty clever. He gets Garon to be stuck in the ground, you know, because his knife head is, you know, stuck in the ground. You know, Garon's pretty stuck. And in Garon's head, there's the holes where the ninja stars fly out. After Gamera dodges the ninja stars for the last time, you know, Gamera's learned from the ninja stars. There leaves an opening, you know, in Giron's head. Uh, well, the boys, they actually, you know, shoot a rocket, you know, towards Giron, but it misses. But Gamera is able to catch that rocket and throws it into that little hole in Giron's head. And Giron explodes and is, you know, explodes into pieces, of spent, you know, essentially. Well... He, he's blown up in half and cut in half. I don't know how that works. Physics physics doesn't work on this planet really well. You know, that that's not how it happens. But anyway, other than that, I just, uh, I think it's a, uh, it really shows Gamera's fighting prowess in this movie. Just how Gamera operates as a fighter. Gamera is one who will probably take the fall in the first battle but then will learn from his mistakes and from his enemy strategies and then fights forward. It's, it's, it's just very interesting to see this progression when you're marathoning the movies like I am. But that was my final thing I like about this movie. And that means one thing, and that is I have to talk about what I dislike about the movie. And let me tell you, I'm a little disappointed about some of the things. Well, uh, first off, let me talk about this, you know, first point. Uh, I wrote this one last, but it, it is feel, I guess it's like the closest nitpicky one, but I do feel it still holds up. Is that this movie de- just continue, you know, feels cheaper even, you know, even than uh, Vera's. Granted, does not use as much stock footage as Virus did, even though it still uses stock footage. The movie has this overall cheapness to it, you know, where the cinematography and lighting isn't as strong as previous Gamera movies. And it's, you know, some of the film has not been treated great or it just doesn't look good. I don't know, it's, it just it has that very B-movie quality. You know, which it's not it's not a horribly bad thing you know and I guess you can make an argument that Gamera is a beam movie series but I am comparing this towards you know previous Gamera movies where you know Gamera felt more cinematic you know it didn't feel B movie material yet this movie is starting to show the B movie part where it's like yeah this it doesn't. Some things just don't look great. The lighting isn't strong. It's there's a lot of emptiness to this planet. You know, it, it looks like a TV set. You know, it, I know it, it's very nitpicky, but it is something that kind of bothered me. You know, just to see. You know, and again, admit nitpicky. But the next points I'm going to be talking about. Not so nitpicky. This movie has problems. Uh, the rating. Uh, yeah, this was kind of a disappointing. You know, especially since I think uh, Nissan Takahashi did a good job in previous camera movies. This one, I felt like he dropped the ball a little. Granted, he still had some you know, basic elements of foreshadowing and Stuff like that. I love how he handled Kondo and Tomoko. But there's just other, you know, instances where I felt the writing, you know, was lacking. I felt like the logic of the aliens was questionable at best. And I will get more to that later on. You know, that is going to be another point. Or at least part of another point. Uh, And it's just... The writing felt like, oh, I just got to get a you know, script done. It didn't have that same 
thoughtfulness compared to the previous Gamera movies, where I thought it had, you know, I guess, you know, in like some of the previous Gamera movies, there was, you know, thought, you know, some actual thought put into, you know, like the monster aspect and the human aspect. You know, there was legitimate thought put into this. I don't want to say there was like no thought put into this, but it does feel like just kind of a, oh, this is just my job. You know, I just got to get through this, you know, and again, it's not all bad, but, you know, the rating is not horrible, but I think it's just lacking compared to previous Gamera movies. So that's why it's on the dislikes and criticisms list. Next point is, uh, you know, and this is kind of all going to go leading into another one is that. This is, uh, I, since I mentioned the aliens and the questionable logic, I'm going to talk about them. The two aliens are pretty weak antagonists. Uh, because, alright, the thing is, they're, they they got some backwards logic. And they, they're not like, a, so it's not like these are the first alien threats we've actually had in the Gamma series. This is, you know, we had the Beerus aliens in the last movie. So, and I thought they handled the virus aliens pretty well as kind of intimidating threat. But here are the two aliens. They're like the last of their species on this planet. This planet that they're on is dying. And it's in the same orbit as Earth. It's the 10th planet of our solar system, whatnot. You know, so apparently they sent the spaceship out, you know. Well, they tried to send a warning to Earth, but nobody can decipher that that okay that's fine but then they sent a spaceship uh, ship out that kidnapped the two you know two boys uh, oh before i go even further i should mention you know the names and the character <coughs> the actresses who play the aliens so the aliens names are florbella and barbella they are played by Hiroko kai and raiko Kasahara, respectively. Uh, I'm going to look at their credits real quick. Just to see. Because. Okay. It wasn't. The actress who played. Barbella. Is actually a recurring character. I believe. Yep. So she actually played the older sister to uh, Eiji. Yeah, Eiji in Gamma vs. Gauss. You know, she played Sumiko Kanamura in Gamma vs. Gauss. I didn't really mention her character in that movie. Just because I didn't really have much to say. She was a fine character in that movie. Um, and I also, I'm just going to say this, you know, straight up is I don't think the problems with the aliens were the actress's fault. It's again, it revolves around the writing and maybe some of the direction because I think the acting was fine. It did its job, but it's just, again, the logic that they're operating on. So anyway, they send their spaceship out and that's what kidnaps the two boys and the two boys are brought onto this planet well, first of all, you know, the reaction was first, I don't remember one of them, they they pull a ray gun, it's like, you know, and they're speaking their alien language. They're saying, oh, let's take them out. And the other one's like, no, 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 let's uh, let's use them. I think that's what they were saying. Yeah, again, they were speaking alien. I can't, I can't understand alien. <laughs> uh, but no, anyway, here's where the logic gets a little wonky one of the aliens after they sell the boys down and make the boys feel welcome they say oh the spaceship you know can only hold two people what are we gonna do which first of all i i, I if you see the spaceship it was a pretty spacious spaceship that f could fit more than two people especially more <laughs> You know, it can fit two adults and two kids. Sure, there's only two seats. But considering how gravity doesn't change and all that, it it's fine. 
No, you could take the kids with you. But it gets worse. The logic gets worse. Then the other one says, okay, we'll just, you know, use uh, their bodies as rations. Which, okay, then there you guys have a problem there. Alive, there, there's not enough room. There's only enough room for two passengers. But using them as rations, they're still the same, you know, bodies, you know, they don't, they don't change unless you cut them up into pieces, which, oh God. But even then, still, it's like, they still held the same space, you know, as two boys. Just saying. But, okay. You know, then they say that, you know, they'll use them as rations for the trip back, which, I'm going to say the trip back and forth between Earth and this planet has been pretty fast with their spaceships. I don't think you need to use them as rations. But the logic gets even worse. So, they probe Akio's mind. And uh, Akio, you know, they, that's where stock footage plays of Gamera. They find more about Gamera. And they also find what Akio's favorite food is. You know, so they probe his mind, and they are able to gather a lot of information from that. Okay. But what happens is that the aliens use their computer to make the donuts that Akio was thinking of. You know, to make it, the donuts exactly like that, but they put sleeping powder in it. So they could have the boys fall asleep. So the aliens can eat the boys' brains. Now, why would they eat the brains? Is it because they are, that's just what this alien race eats is, you know, brains? I, I can follow that logic, but no, the logic we're given is, is that that's how they grow smarter. That's how they are able to get, you know, garner knowledge and stuff. Which makes no, which I'm just thinking it's like, but just probe the kid's brain already and are able to gather information. Heck, you could just ask. I feel like eating their brains is a little bit much, a little excessive. I don't think that's how you, you know, gather knowledge. Like, so, okay. And also, the thing is that they're able to make food pretty much identical to, you know, that of what Akio envisioned. So, the computers are. You know, the technology is great enough where they can just make any food they want. So they don't even need to use the boys' rations. And they don't even need to, you know, eat the boys' brains really because they just proved that they can just probe their minds, mind read them, and gather what info they need. It's just... The logic is... Uh, it doesn't make sense. These, You know... The aliens here, they don't make sense. And... Later on in the movie, after, you know, the spaceship crashed, you know, crashed because of Garon. Uh, Florbella, I believe, was, you know, was okay, but Barbella got stuck. So Florbella, you know, Barbella, you know, pleads Florbella for help, but Florbella pulls out her gun and says, our alien, you know, our race doesn't treat, you know, doesn't tolerate you know, weaklings or whatever, and then kills Barbella, which is like, well, great, you just killed the only other surviving citizen to your race, my g Like, you, I, I'm just, it's just so many questions of, like, how, how is this race so super smart with such great technology, yet are so dumb? It's, like, were you like the last two like was everybody else killed by the monsters and the last two people left were the idiots of the village what happened here I just like I can't I got a feeling or unless if the rest of the race was like Florbella and Barbella then they died by their own stupidity that's what happened because yeah the logic is it's missing in with these two characters. And I was just kind of... You know, like... And here's the thing. We don't need explanations for... You know, 
everything. In fact, Beerus, there wasn't really an explanation as to why they wanted to take over Earth other than Earth was similar to their planet. It's fine to just have evil aliens want to take over planets. That's fine. I won't question that. They're evil aliens. <laughs> and, you know, you know, I don't question the logic of, you know, alien invaders, I guess. But here, when they are giving us reasons as to what, you know, why they do things, it makes me question them. I'd rather them not explain why they have to kill the boys or why they have to, you know, eat their brains. But because, you know, then I could just chop it up, you know, with my own imagination or whatnot. Or I could just be like, oh, they're just, that's what they eat. That's what the only, you know, this alien ace, you know, race eats is that they just eat brains. But no, they give the explanation. It's like, oh, that's how we got, you know, garner information is by eating other races' brains or whatever. And But then they like also count contradict with it's again it's the whole we can do this thing but we're going to do this thing instead that even though doing you know this thing is so counterproductive you know productive to when we can already do that thing you know it, i i know it's kind of bumble my i'm bumbling up a little bit with my words but it's just like what happened here? The aliens were not thought out. Whatever. You know, they, there was some... Sorry. I, I might need to get a drink of water real quick. Excuse me. <laughs> Apologies. But yeah, I, I got... Sorry for getting a little heated, but it's just so baffling to me. But now we're going to go into my fourth point of what I dislike. And again, this revolves, revolves around the writing. Is that we're back to having a pretty not great human cast. So, other than Kondo and Tomoko. Tomoko and Kondo, they were the standouts. Everybody else, not so great. Because, well, we got the two boys. Akio, who is played by... Nobuhiro Nakajima, I'm sorry, Nobuhiro Kojima, <clears throat> one more time, Nobuhiro Kojima, and Tom, played by Christopher Murphy, and <laughs> these are not the brightest boys uh, out there, uh, they fall we're regressing back from our, you know, good child characters we had in previous movies. We're going back to Toshio. We're going to Toshio, you know, Waters, guys. That's bad. That's, don't do that. Uh, because here's the thing. You know, at the beginning, they're, they're fine. But it's when they find the spaceship. They're like, hey, let's go explore this alien spaceship. Hey, let's start messing with the buttons. And then act shocked that <gasps> the spaceship is taking off. It's like, well, no, duh, dummies. You were the ones messing with the buttons. Uh, the You know, Akio and Tom did not have a lot of common sense. They were captured, you know, so a couple times by the aliens. Well, the first time, you know, they were like mess, you know, they were manipulated, but they were like just kind of so gullible and they were so careless, and it was just kind of like, uh, you know, it's uh, they were just kind of frustrating that bit where it's like they were just kind of stupidly walking into danger for no reason. I mean, they also shout like, hello, is anybody here? It's like, what, kid, you're on an alien planet that you may, and you, maybe you, you don't know if they're friendly or not. Maybe don't just shout your presence like, hey, hello, how's it going? You know, it's, yeah, they, uh, they, they were not super helpful. They, they did help Gamera a little bit. 
by shooting the missile at the end. Give them that. Uh, but other than that, they were not super helpful. And they got themselves into danger quite a bit. But Akio, he is special. He's a special case, though, because he is very, very interested about, you know, looking for a world that is free from traffic accidents. It's not just the dub. It's it's in the subtitle version too that I saw on Arrow, on Arrow video. He mentions traffic accidents, and it's like, why? Okay, that's just it. Just feels like random. Like he, okay, so he wants to find a world of peace of my you know without war or violence that's fine and then he throws traffic accidents it's like wait that that's kind of a without war violence and traffic accidents okay then uh but anyway other than our two main leads we also have uh it's not not getting a good list on IMDb because the full cast and crew is uh going to go sorry it's just the cast list on IMDb is not great. Let me try looking at uh, the different. Yeah, no, it's. Uh... Oh, oh, anyway. So we got Tom's mother, Elsa, who's played by Edith Hansen. Then we have. I guess uh, Kuniko, who play you know who's played by Yuko Hamada, and they're the mothers of the child and child's you know children. I guess um, anyway, I didn't really like them because they were just so they were the strict parent archetypes for one, and they were so quick to you know not believe Tomoko. You know, even though Tomoko has proven to be a very good and knowledgeable girl, with the only one with common sense. And then you got the news reporters when they find out, oh, Tomoko saw, you know, her little, you know, her older brother and Tom get abducted spaceship. They harassed Tomoko, you know, Tomoko. So I didn't care for the news reporters. You know, it's just, uh, yeah. It's just not like I guess they weren't horrible, but they weren't great. But the thing about them not believing Tomoko about the aliens, the one thing that is frustrating about that is that they, you know, they really they were saying, "Oh, aliens," you know, that's rubbish. Aliens don't exist, or whatever. That that was kind of their attitude. Do you really believe in aliens, or whatever? spacecraft that's outlandish that would never happen except except for this one thing is that and this is the big point is that an alien invasion literally happened last movie and it's not it's like all the main all the main characters forgot that we literally just had an alien invasion in this series and you may think oh maybe it's in a separate continuity or whatever no, no, because they show stock footage from Akio's brain, and Akio says Gamera protected two boys from the virus attack, so it's canon to this movie. Yet everyone's, you know, thinking, "Oh, aliens! That's rubbish." It's like, y'all, you literally just had an alien invasion where they use Gamera against you, and also again, Gamera is a giant flying turtle that breathes fire. And eats fire. I think you can believe that there is a good, there is at least a possible chance that your boys were captured, you know, or were abducted by in an alien spacecraft, whatever. I can't speak right now, but yeah, it's like, uh, hello. Did you guys forget the last movie? 
it's what's I'm sorry, I hit my bike on my headset. Uh, but what's especially frustrating is that you know you gotta think. Okay, so like the previous camera movies, they were actually pretty good about continuity. They, you know, there was a sense of continuity between the camera movies, but this is just like a big continuity fumble, especially since you put the evidence that it happened in your movie, and so it's like you acknowledge that it happened, yet you have characters that act like aliens don't exist, even though you teach oh. Yeah, I just... That point really stuck with me, just... Uh. See, this is why I was talking about the writing, you know, I had to split it up like these, you know, because... It really shows that this this was a big fumble for the camera movie, even though it has this movie has an entertaining value to it. Uh, it fumbled, and you know what? That's that's going to be my overall thoughts. That's the beginning part. Is that you know that's what I'm doing right my right now. My overall thoughts, and that yeah, the movie is still very entertaining, even if it might be uh, so bad it's good. Even though. You know, I think there are some legitimate good aspects. If you view it as a so bad, it's good. I I wouldn't blame you. But yeah, it does have some entertaining values to it. But overall, in the series, it's a it's a fumble. It very much fumbled in the writing department, and the movie suffers for it. Uh, the human cast again was also was a misstep. It, you know, especially compared to previous camera movies where it felt like a continuous improvement. And these last two camera movies, it felt like we're regressing back to not great ones. Uh, again, I didn't write this overall thought, so I'm improvising, you know, improvising right now. So, yeah, it feels like the camera series is regressing in these last two movies after, you know, the first three were like improving after one another. And it's a shame to see that happen. Eh. But anyway, that is my overall thoughts for this movie. Uh, next week, I will be talking about Gamera versus Jiger. And I will have to say thank you so much for listening this far. Uh, if you're listening to this on YouTube, make sure to press like, subscribe, leave a comment, or dislike me. I don't care. <laughs> And I'm also available uh, on podbean.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podcast Addict at the time of this recording. And again, thank you so much for listening. I hope to see you next week. Take care.